A prepper, the definition says, is a person who prepares to survive a major disaster or emergency. They prepare by assembling supplies, materials, and skills necessary to survive. There is an industry that has sprung up to support that. Uh, There are now books, there are websites with tips and secrets, there are supply stores, all to help you be a prepared prepper. Well, the question tonight is this. How do you, how do we prepare for the last days, the days that we are in, the days, these very important days? If we're to be a church of preppers, how do we prepare? What do we do? Now, when I ask that tonight, your brain may jump off and start running. You might start thinking of things. Uh, Maybe we need to have food reserves. Maybe we need to have some emergency plan. Maybe we need a new bunker uh, under the baptistry up there. And, And maybe you're thinking of all sorts of things. Well, tonight Peter tells us there is really actually only one thing to do, one main thing to do, one vital thing to do to prepare for the last days. Now, here's what he says. The main thing to do, the vital thing to do to prepare for the last days is to know your Bible. Now, surely it's more than that. Surely it's more than that. It is to know your Bible. Tonight, our message is entitled, Remember the Word. Remember the Word. Our verses tonight, we're in 2 Peter. We've made it all the way to the third chapter. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Just two verses tonight. 2 Peter, chapter 3, tonight, verses 1 and 2. Remember the word. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Chapter 3, beginning in first verse, says this. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. I want to read those two verses again. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your Apostles, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now. We praise you tonight. Lord, we come and we've walked through a week. Lord, we've made it to the weekend. We, we fix our eyes upon you tonight. Lord, we want to rest in you tonight. We want to find encouragement and strength in you tonight. And so we come and again, we, we exalt you. We lift up your name. We want to praise you But, Lord, we also want to fellowship with you. We want to hear from you. And so, Lord, we pray as we study your word tonight, this very night, that you would speak to us, that you you would direct us, that we would receive your grace and your kindness as we hear your voice tonight. I pray it bears great fruit, great impact for your kingdom. Lord, I pray as we are in this endeavor, I pray as we have two more meetings, I pray that you stand in the center of them. I pray that we exalt you in them, and I pray, Lord, that you move. The world would know there's a living God through what happens. Lord, we give you all of this. We lay it out before you, and we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. In all seriousness tonight, doesn't the single call to know your Bible seem a little bit cliche? Seem maybe, maybe a little bit too short-sighted. The single call, what are you going to do to prepare for the end days? The, the single call to know your Bible, doesn't that seem like maybe it's a little too simplistic? Is that really all that we should do, just know our Bible? Should we do something else, maybe something big, maybe something greater than that? Well, here's my question tonight. If this single thing, if this simplistic thing is too easy, if it's not enough, then why don't we do it? The truth is, listen, as a whole, people today, and I'm, I'm talking about Christians today, people today, Christians today, the church today, as a whole, are ignorant of the word of God. They are not knowing the word of God. Here's the matter of the fact. We do not sadly know the word of God. Now listen, I made a list of statistics and we could talk about this generation. We could talk about the, the middle generation. We could talk about the kids that are leaving our homes. There are all sorts of statistics. There are tons of them. But the reality is this, and I'll just sum it up. We do not know the word of God. Maybe we're familiar with it, but we as a whole are ignorant of the word of God. And so tonight, the answer is, yes, very plain, yes, very simplistic, but the answer is this, know the word of God. Let me tell you something tonight. I was, I was thinking about this this afternoon. In our 30 days of services, in our 28 services so far, Every night, every service, there are kids here. I don't know if you've noticed that. There are youth here. There are kids here. There's kids and youth upstairs. There's smaller kids. There are older kids. Some of them are taking notes. I see you taking notes. Listen to me. The best thing is that they would know the word of God. And I think about that. The best thing is that they would know the word of God. That's the same for all of us. All right, let's see what Peter says tonight. All right, we've moved to the third chapter. Let's start in verse one. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Peter says... This is now the second letter. We know that. This is now the second letter he has written. He tells them here at this point in the second letter, this is, this has been his purpose in writing. Now I want you to see this. Now I want you to think about what's happening here. Jesus has called and trained his disciples. Those who would lead the Christian movement, those that would lead the church when he was gone, after he was gone. That's what he's done. Jesus has now ascended to heaven. The church has been empowered by the Holy Spirit and has started. Remember, that's the account in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit has empowered the church. The church has now started. Those who were trained and entrusted by Jesus, we read that account in Acts, and they've been faithful. We read this letter. They've been faithful and they have served the cause of Christ. 
They have served the mission of Christ and they've stood by the growth of the church. And now at this point, they are faced with the reality that they also soon will be gone. And that's where we're at right now. They've realized very soon they will be gone. And so now the church will depend upon second and third generation believers. Now I want you to think about what that means. That's pretty important. What it means is this. People who not only never knew Jesus, but now people that never knew somebody that knew Jesus are going to be leading the church. You know what? The words of Christ, we had them. We knew them. And those that knew them, and now they're going to be gone. People that never knew Jesus, but never knew anybody that even knew Jesus are going to be leading the church. Time is rolling on. And so the question then becomes, how do we prepare for that? Apostles are going to be gone. Jesus is ascended to heaven. How do we prepare the church for that? Now, let me tell you an important reality. Listen to this. An important reality is this. Time and distance from the truth always distorts the truth. And that's just how it goes. Time and distance from the truth always distorts the truth. It's like that fish from 10 years ago that now is a lot bigger when you tell the story. Hey, there were some folks that were there that day. They knew the actual size of the fish. They're gone. Time and distance from the truth begins to distort the truth. It's like that shot that you scored 30 years ago tends to get bigger. Now it was the game-winning shot that you scored 30 years ago. Time and distance from the truth always distorts the truth. Well, here's the issue. Jesus is now gone, and now the people that walked with him, that were witness to him, they are leaving as well. Even the people that walked with those people are now preparing to leave. And so the question becomes, what are we going to do? What will we do to prepare the church? Watch this. This is awesome. You can't pass on accounts of the truth and expect that it would stand. You cannot pass on stories about the truth, of the truth, and have confidence in it. No, you must pass on the truth. Not accounts of it, not versions of it. You must pass on the truth itself. Now, I want you to hold up right here. Do you see how wise God is? Do you see how awesome this is? So knowing the problem, what does God do? He gives us the truth in the word of God. John chapter 17, verse 17, thy word is truth. And so I want you to listen. It is in the supernatural word of God. It is in the living and active word of God, not like any other thing that's ever been written, given by God himself, that we have the truth. Do you see what's happening here? Peter says, Jesus has gone to glory. I'm not long for this world. But you have the truth. And so know your Bible. See why that makes sense now? It's the truth. Know your Bible. I'm going to keep on. He keeps on in the verse that says this. The reason he is writing, here's what he says. I am stirring up. I am stirring up. That word 
We've talked about it three times now. It means to arouse, to prod into action, to stir up, to stir up. I am stirring up. In our 30-day revival, if you remember all the way back to that first day, we talked about our prayers that God would stir us up. And I, I hope that's been your prayer. God, stir me up. Well, listen, this is how it happens. Peter says, I am stirring up your sincere mind. Now, these words are awesome. These words are very meaningful. I am stirring up your sincere mind. Now, watch this. The word sincere means pure, uncontaminated, existing in clarity. It literally translates judged by light so as to have true insight. What a, what a meaningful word that is, judged by light so as to have true insight. Today we see and we say common sense is gone. You ever say that? Commons, if you get, out, you get out and do much of anything, you'll say common sense is gone. Logic is gone. I've, I watch some things and you're just baffled. Logic is gone. You watch folks and you say, people do not come to good conclusions. We say people, you know what, they're not thinking correctly. Look at, look at our world today. They're not thinking clearly. They're not thinking correctly. Listen to me tonight. That is exactly true. You see, our minds work and our minds are successful in their working when they are filled with the purifying word of God. Now, what that means is we have godly insight when our minds are filled with the word of God. We have clarity when our minds are filled with the word of God. And so listen, and so when they are not, they're contaminated, they're marred. They're broken. Here's the deal. When our minds are taking in anything but the word of God, when they're taking in the filth of the world, when they're taking in the logic of the lost, when they're taking in the nonsense today that's called truth, our brains are damaged. Now that may sound offensive, but that's what the, that's what the Bible's telling us here. When we're taking in the, the, the crud of the world, the logic of the lost, the nonsense today, when we're doing that, our brains cannot work right. Mine doesn't work right when it's not filled with the word of God. That's the word sincere. The next word is mind. Sincere mind. Mind means intellect, just like you think your mind, our mind, our intellect. Stirring up your sincere Mind. Now, I want you to get this. I've said this many times. To get this tonight, Satan is battling for our minds. He wants our minds. That's what this is all about. He wants our mind. I said it a couple of weeks ago because when he gets our minds, he's going to get our hearts. And so there's a battle for the minds of people. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. Listen to me very carefully. We are not to be mindless. We're not to be mindless. We're to be mindful. We're to be thinking. We're to be considering. We're to be studying and learning. We're to be stretching our minds. We're to be evaluating the things we hear and we read. We're to be using our minds. We're to be pushing our minds. Folks, I want to tell you, I know Satan is winning in this area. And I'll just tell you today, he's, he's got us 
in this area. Now, I can, I can talk about a lot of things, but let me just tell you a few simple things. Can you do math? Can you add and subtract? Well, I got a calculator. And, and you watch now, well, I got that. Well, what about I'm at the grocery store and I've only got $8 and this and this and this, and we pull out a calculator. Can you spell? Well, I got a spell check. It just corrected automatically. Can you read? Can you bring in information? We got a bunch of screens. I don't have to read. I'll just look at a bunch of screens. Can you figure it out? Can you say, hey, I'm going to look at this and figure it out? We have Google. We asked somebody named Alexa. Can you know how to get there? Can you know how to get there? We have GPS. Listen to me. Here's, that, those are pretty simple. Let me tell you this. Today, our world is so structured. And I want to tell you, Satan is in the structuring of our world, the busyness of our world. Our world is so structured today, listen, that our highlight of our day is that we look forward to mindless activities. And so whatever we do during the day, whatever we got going on, you know what? I want to get home and turn on some screen and look at it. I want to go home and I want to turn this on and I want to drink four Kurs lights and I want to be numb and I want to look at it. And we're being conditioned to be mindless. That's the highlight of our day. Put your mind in neutral. You made it to the finish line. Listen, we are to engage our minds, our sincere minds. We're to use our minds. Now, here's what's weird. Why doesn't the church say that? We'll tell you about Jesus. We won't tell you about your mind. It ought to be focused on Jesus. Use your mind. Now, the question is this. How? How? Here's what Peter says. He goes on by way of reminder. Now, we've looked at this before. It means putting in your remembrance to call to mind. That's what it translates. To call to mind. Let's go to verse 2. That you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, verse 1, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. It starts off and it says that you should remember. It's interesting. The Greek word here for remember, it's not the same word for remind up there. To remember here is to actively remember. To actively remember. And this is important. Listen to this. It's not what you're remembering is in your mind. No, it is what you're remembering is on your mind. That is active remembering. What you're remembering is on your mind. It says the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets. That's the words of the Old Testament. And the commandments of our Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. That's the New Testament. And so Peter says here, you should keep your mind on the word of God. On your mind ought to be the words of God. Now let me sew all that together. Peter says, I'm writing to stir you up. I'm writing to bring to mind that you should keep on your mind the word of God. That's what this is about. He says, I'm writing to bring to your mind the fact that you ought to keep on your mind the word of God. That's the entirety of the two letters that, that comes, comes down to this. The way you prepare for the last days 
is to know your Bible. The entirety of these two letters is the, is the fact that the only way to endure suffering, the only way to escape the lusts of the world, the only way to stand in the truth, the only way to give an account to those that want to know the hope that is within you, the only way to stay stirred up, the only way to grow in your Christian conduct, the only way to grow in your love, the only way to grow in the grace of God, the only way to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the only way to have sound judgment, the only way to be found rejoicing and keep on rejoicing, even to the point of overflowing, the only way to be sure of your salvation, the only way to know who we are in Christ, the only way to know the precious and magnificent promises of God, the only way to prepare our minds for action, the only way to live in a way that's so unlike the world that the lost world sees it and it's a witness to them, the only way to be perfected, confirmed, and strengthened, the only way to be able to identify false teachers and discern their lies, the only way to stand on the truth, the only way to succeed in your marriage, the only way to point to Christ in your relationships, the only way to resist the devil seeking to devour you, the only way, the point to the whole two letters is to know the word of God. Do you see that? None of those things happen if you do not know the word of God. None of them. How do we prepare? We must know the word of God. We must know our Bibles. All of those things, they don't take place. They don't happen. If we do not know the word of God, Peter writes two letters and he says, I'm reminding you to keep on your mind the word of God. Tonight I want to give us some three points of application. That's the truth. Here's three things to do, three things to be in this effort. Now, if we're going to be prepared, if we're going to be serious in this, okay, I hear that. I'm stirred up in that. I want to know the word of God. I'm going to be serious in it. Here's three things we have to be. First thing is this. We have to be confident in the word. We have to be confident in the word. Now, what that means is this. We have to be sure, and we have to be settled, and we have to be resolved that this is the truth. You know what, I'm not out somewhere looking for the truth. I'm resolved this is the truth. We have, we have to be sure this is the wisdom of God. We have to be sure this is dependable, that it is trustworthy. We have to be sure that it's given to us by God himself. It is his word. We have to be confident that it will stand. Psalm 119 verse 42 says, For I trust in your word. First thing is this. We have to be confident in the word. We have to be confident in the word, especially in these days. Second thing is this. Second thing we need to do is this. We have to be consistent in the word. We have to be consistent in the word. I just went through and I just pulled out a couple of verses. You know, 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, we're to be workmanlike. We're to be a workman. How do you handle the word of God? Like a workman, I bring a lunch and I punch a clock. A workman. Colossians 3.16 says, Christ's words are to dwell richly within us. Dwell richly within us. 
Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus says, we do not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the word of God, we live on the word of God. Joshua 1, 8. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Friends, I want to tell you something tonight. I don't know how to tell you any more clearly. There is no other way. There is no shortcut. We have to be consistently in the Word of God. We got to read it. We got to study it. We got to memorize it. We got to be there when it's preached. We got to be there when it's taught to us. We have to be consistent in the Word of God. There's no shortcut. First thing, we must be confident in the word. Second thing, we must be consistent in the word. Now, here's the third thing. This is the last thing tonight. Here's the third thing. We must be committed to the word. We must be committed to the word. Now, what that means is we must be committed not to just knowing the word, but responding in obedience. I, I am resolved. I am committed to live by the word of God. That's where the point we have to get to. I'm going to live by the word of God. I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what my flesh wants. I don't care what the world says is logical. I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look to the right. I am committed to living by the word of God. I, I didn't go long, but in Psalm 119, it says this. I will observe his testimonies. I will walk in the way of our Lord. I shall regard your ways. I shall run the way of your commandments. I shall keep your word. We must be, here's what James said, not just hearers of the word of God, doers of the word of God. One that just hears and doesn't do, the Bible says, James says, you are fooling yourself, you are deluding yourself. We must be committed to the word of God. Listen, there's a whole lot of folks saying, well, I've been reading the Bible, I've been trying to read the Bible, but I don't really have a resolve to let it change how I live. Well, listen, it's a good thing you're reading it, but we need to read it with, a, with, a, with, a, with a, an obedience inside of us that if it tells us what to do, if it leads us how to live, we're going to commit to it and carry it out. We must be committed to the Word of God. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news tonight. We can. We can. I think we hear all that and go, oh, golly, I can't do that. Listen, a person of the word of God, you can be that. Do you know you can be that tomorrow? You can be that tonight. A person, I want to be a person of the word of God. You can. You can do that. Growing in the word of God, do you know you can be that tonight? You can, if you're sitting here listening, you're, you're that right now. Do you know you can be that tomorrow? Oh, I want to be a person growing in the Word of God. You can. I want to be a person that knows the Word of God, that has a knowledge of the Word of God. Do you know you can start tonight? You can do it in the morning. We can. We can. In these days, how do we prepare for suffering? How do we prepare to stand? How do we prepare to point to Jesus? We have to know our Bibles. We have to know the Word of God. I say this every night. My, my favorite part 
is to pull it over to Jesus. You know why? Because the word points us to the living word, Jesus. The word tells us of the hope that's not robbed away in the person of Jesus. And I want to tell you this, if you know the word, you're going to be ready to tell some folks about Jesus, the living word. If you know the word, when the world says you can't say that, you're going to say, what? I can't be silent. I'm going to tell about Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. I want to tell you the good news tonight is this. You can know the word and you can know Jesus, the word. If you've never trusted him, not turn to him tonight. If you're here and you're sick of your sin, oh, the grief of your sin, you can turn to him tonight. He'll forgive you tonight. Turn to Jesus. He'll save you tonight. What an awesome thing that would be if just this room said, you know what? I'm going to be a person of the word. I'm going to be a person of Jesus. I'm going to be a person of his word that he's spoken to me. Can you imagine the impact in our homes and in our kids and in our lives? Here's the good news. We can do it starting right now. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we praise you tonight. We thank you tonight. Well, Lord, a simple message, a simple truth, but one that we fight against, one that we get too busy for, one that we just explain away. Lord, I pray that we would know Jesus. I pray for those in their sin tonight that do not have a remedy because they haven't trusted you in faith. Lord, I pray they would turn to you. I pray they would trust you. I pray they would receive your grace as they trust my Savior, Jesus, for their salvation. Lord, I, I pray for us as a people, as a church, that we'd be a people of the written word, that we would know it and memorize it, live by it, commit to it, and preach it to a lost world. Help us in that. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for 28 days. I'm thankful for 28 days to hear the word of God. I pray, Lord, that it's born fruit. I pray that it's bearing fruit even now. I pray as we conclude this service, as we wrap up this service, that you're working, that you're moving, that your voice is echoing, that you're drawing, that you're speaking, and that the fruit would point much glory to you. Lord, we give it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the good news is there is good news. The good news is this. We have a Savior in Jesus. If you'll turn to him tonight, he'll save you tonight. And so maybe you're listening in some other way. Maybe you've just tuned in. Maybe this is some sermon you've listened to the rest of them, but you're saying, you know what? I've never trusted Jesus Christ. I want to tell you the good news is this. He forgives. He restores. He renews. He reconciles. He redeems. If you'll turn to Jesus, listen, he is the answer. He's your answer tonight. If you've never done that, do that tonight. If you need more information, let's settle it. You come. Let's, let's settle it tonight based upon God's word. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come and together we'll uphold his word till he comes again. Maybe you're here and you've followed Christ. You've trusted Christ. He is your savior, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. And so you would come as well in obedience to Christ saying, well, I want that testimony to stand for me. Not before I was saved, but after I was saved. Not as part of my salvation, but in testimony to it and to my Savior. You come. We'll set a day to be a great day of celebration. Maybe this evening on a Friday night, you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray there where you're seated. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one head for an exit. But you pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'm